Okay, somebody do us a favor. Click Ask Joe and Al on air at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and please let us know why indexed universal life insurance is such a huge topic lately. Is someone selling the heck out of these things or is it just because the fellas keep answering your questions about it? Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, join Big Al address more of those IU Well questions. This time we talk about whether it's good for estate planning, investing, or as a tax shelter for high income earners. Plus, should you pay down debt or save if you only have $100,000 saved for retirement at the age of 66? Should extra money be invested in your 457 or your brokerage account, mutual funds or ETFs? And with the new tax laws scheduled to sunset in 2026, does it make sense to do a giant Roth conversion in 2025? I'm producer Andy Last, and here with answers to your IUL questions and hopefully the patience of new saints are Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Where do you got to go? I don't know. Chad from Santa Cruz? Chad, okay. Hi, right. Joe and Al. I'm 28, happily married, in love to golf. Oh, Chad, love you, man. So I have at least something in common with you both. So I love golf. Okay, so uh, Chad, he, he goes, my dad introduced me uh, to you guys and I absolutely love the show and truly appreciate all the insight you both provide. Uh, you guys are both informative and hysterical, uh, which makes it a joy to listen. Uh, and awesome. of course, thank you, Andy, for keeping the guys on track. Uh, Chad is an insurance agent and registered rep, and the company I work for offers an IUL and a BUL. Uh, IUL is Index Universal Life, and BUL is Variable Universal Life. Personally, I couldn't agree more that many insurance agents don't know what they are selling. I always make sure my clients are maxing their Roths and 401ks before we look into these products. Uh, Chad has a few questions for us, Big Al. Okay, good. All right, number one. Uh, in your experience, is there ever times when either the IUL or VUL come in handy for estate planning purposes and setting up islets? Uh, irrevocable life insurance yes, trust. Yes, and that, that can be handy for estate planning. And that's a... It's, it's a way that you can buy a life insurance policy uh, where it's on your life. It, 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 the beneficiary needs to be the trust that you set up, and, and the trustee of that trust can't be you, and, and you have to gift money outside of your estate to pay for the premiums. It's kind of complicated, but if you do it correctly, then when you pass away, that life insurance is not part of your estate, and it's estate tax-free. So, Chad, if you listen to the show, it might sound we're anti-insurance, is that a fair assumption? We have talked about IULs, uh, I think, four times in the last couple of months, and every time you've said they're terrible. I n- <laughs> never said that. No, that's that. true. That's true. You, you say that they are sold very badly. Okay, so here's the point. I am a pro-life insurance. Yeah, I have some myself. I am very pro-life insurance. I think the tax-free death benefit of a life insurance policy is one of the best benefits in the IRS code. With okay. that being said... Does an islet work? Yes, of course. So if someone has a large estate, someone wants to um, leave a, a, an inheritance or, you know, they, there's a big family farm that they don't want their kids to sell because of an estate tax. Um, they want to create liquidity, you know, so they put money into a life insurance policy. They die. All this tax-free dough goes to the kids. I think it's a phenomenal strategy. And you need a permanent policy for, Absolutely. That, for that strategy. I would much rather go IUL or a fixed product, a universal, a straight universal life policy, whole life. Um, I guess IUL would be versus a VUL. 
Um, variable universal life is that you're you're investing in mutual funds, sub accounts, right? And I don't know if I like the volatility. I want the guarantee. That's why I'm buying the product to begin with. Sure. I want the guarantee that it's going to die. I want to know what my premiums are. I don't want to um, mess around with it. I was going to say something else, and I'm glad I caught myself. Okay, good. So are we. <laughs> all right. I already, Max, all retirement accounts. Um, so I currently have a VUL, ver, uh, variable universal life, that I pay the max premium to overfund. The cash value account is invested in a mutual fund, and the capital gains and dividends do get reinvested as opposed to an IUL. This is better than is an this I- better? Oh, is this better uh, than an IUL for people who are maxing four hundred one k and Roth IRAs and have leftover money and they want to invest in something similar? So this is where I get a little bit squirrely. Yes. I do not believe that the insurance product should be used as an accumulation vehicle to fund for any type of goals such as retirement, college funding, or anything else because of the expenses involved. Yeah, but it's tax-free. Yes, but you're paying for the cost of insurance, and the cost of insurance is going to be probably a hell of a lot more in the internal fees and costs than the, 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 the capital gains tax that you're paying in a, an exchange-traded fund or an index fund. If you ran how tax-efficient that investments are today versus the co- – because the, 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 the ploy is here, you, it's a super Roth. You can max fund it in, oh, look at this. Here's the corridor between insurance and it grows tax-deferred, and I can pull it out tax-free. But if I pull too much out, the whole thing blows up on me. Yes, can I overfund it? But if you can overfund it, overfund your brokerage account. Right, I just believe that that's a better way to invest. You get more control, um, and then could you please explain how the money is taxed when you do a Roth conversion? I'm confused on that part. Um, on the deferred money gets taxed. So when you do a conversion, whatever you convert from an IRA to a Roth, that dollar amount is going to be taxed at ordinary income rates. Uh, so if you're in the 22 or 24 percent tax bracket, that's the tax you're going to pay. Side note: If I'm Funding money into an IUL or a VUL, those are after-tax dollars, right? Sure. So if I'm in the 22 or 24, 35% tax bracket, it doesn't matter. I'm after-tax dollars. I'm putting it into an IUL that's growing tax-deferred quotes, right? And then it comes out tax-free. But I have all this cost of insurance. If I need the death benefit, right, if I need a several million dollar policy because I got a bunch of kids, well, that's something totally different. That's a death benefit that I'm trying to solve for. Sounds like Chad is solving for growth accumulation, right? How about if I do a conversion at the 22% tax bracket and my premium into this policy is 50 grand? I do a conversion for 50 grand. I pay the 22% on that, but now it's in a Roth tax free with no BS. It's the same. You just got to run the numbers a little bit. But when you're under the umbrella of an insurance company and they're saying this is the best thing since sliced bread, you could be swayed to sell the product. You always get fired up when you're talking life insurance, permanent life insurance. I, I, I told you I'm, I'm a big fan of permanent life insurance. Mm-hmm. In, in the right circumstance. Right. If, if it's for a death benefit. Yeah. Um, so Chad, um, finishing up with Chad here. Um, so he was like, could you please explain how the money is taxed when you do a Roth conversion? Yeah, it's taxed as, just as if, as if you received it as income. I am confused on which part of the deferred money gets taxed. All do only the contributions get taxed as income and growth moves over tax-free? Or do both the contributions and growth get taxed as income as you convert into a Roth? Well, I, I mean, if there's basis... Yeah, but I think he's talking about his contributions into into like a 401k. 
I'm guessing. So yeah, it's all taxed. It's all taxed. Now, if you if it, if it was an IRA contribution and you did not get to deduct it, then that's basis, and so part of your conversion is tax free. Right. So, um, he was asking another question here. Well, something about, um, and I want to make sure he, he's in the business. I want to help this guy out. Sure. Right? Um, he's talking about something. What's better than IUL or VUL? What was he saying? Nothing? Oh, maybe. I'm making this up. I think you I are. Think so. No, the cash value account is invested in a mutual fund, and the capital gains and dividends do get reinvested as opposed to an IUL. Is this better than an IUL for people who are maxing out 401ks and Roth? So I think his question is, IUL, I mean, you're not invested in the Versus market, VUL. even though it's uh, sold as, here, it's an index universal life. Right. You have an index that says the S&P 500 that you're investing in, uh, but you don't get any dividends. And, and basically, the insurance company is buying a zero-coupon bond and buying call options on that um, index. Right. So you're not you're getting any dividends or appreciation there. Um, you're getting whatever the, the option is. So VUL, you're actually invested in the markets. So even though you don't like permanent policies for accumulation plays, if, if, you, if you're convinced you want to do it, pr- probably VUL is better. It, all right, Chad, if you want to do a wealth accumulation play, and is and Chad, you're married. Do a second to die policy on you and your wife, because the cost of insurance is dirt cheap at age 28, right? And then max the hell fund out of that thing, and then use a VUL um, for a second to die, because then your cost of insurance is going to be dirt cheap. And then you know, I mean, if if you like the whole theory of you know tax free income from it. Um, so, and at age 28, you got a long ways for this thing to go, but you're trapped, man. You're kind of stuck with the product. Um, I would much rather see you build a, a, a brokerage account um, and, and buy term, but, you know, that's just my bias. And, and I would agree with that, and I say that partly from being in the business for 35 years. I've seen very few people that were happy they did that long term. That's just been my experience. Yeah, but I guarantee you, the, the boys in Chad's office um, that are life, life insurance guys, they probably got... 40 policies that have worked just fine. Um, all right, Nick's got a story for us. Okay. Joe and Big Al, really appreciate the podcast. The content you guys are putting out is very helpful. That was, like, very professional. Yeah. Instead of, like, does I don't love it. He appreciates it. It's helpful versus yeah. awesome. Right. Yeah. It's, it's honest. <laughs> so, Nick from Temecula. He's got a, um, I have an IUL question for you. So again, folks, IUL is Index Universal Life. Don't freak out, Joe. So Nick. Your reputation precedes you, Joe. you've listened to the show before. Um, I've heard the numerous questions you guys have received on this topic over the last few weeks. And unfortunately, each time I feel like Big Al is going over the pros of this product the caller or the me- emailer hasn't given enough info. I feel there might be time this product could work, and I'm curious to get your thoughts if I can hopefully give you guys enough information. My wife and I are both 30. Two kids started a small construction business when he was 20, now gross approximately 1.5 per year. That's awesome, Nick. Good for you, bro. Yeah, that is good. 
Uh, we pull about four or five hundred thousand dollars each year via W two and K one. Uh, we currently have the following. So Nick's making. Let's just go on the high side. Five hundred thousand bucks a year. He's thirty years old. Couple of kids. Sure. Uh, he's got one hundred fifty thousand dollars combined in traditional four hundred one k. We both max out. Start a little late. Twelve thousand in Roth IRA. Started a little late. Four hundred thousand in brokerage. Four hundred thousand in cash. Twenty k in five twenty nine. We have a one and four year old. He's got a rental property. Cash flows well. In a primary home, we owe just under one million. Also has a three million dollar term life insurance uh, policy. So, my advisor has me in an IUL, an Index Universal Life, with a $2.2 million death benefit. I pay in $50K each year. It will do so for 10 years. I am tw- um, I'm two years in. I'd like to know your thoughts if this is a good planning strategy given our situation. It was presented to me as a tax shelter due to our high income as well as another vehicle to use as we are maxing out other available options. Thanks in advance. Uh, guys, keep up the good work. Okay. Um, is this a tax shelter, Alan? Uh, well, in a manner of speaking, yeah, because growth inside of this product is, is tax. It's actually tax-deferred or even tax-free, potentially. Okay. And that is a pro. Yes. <laughs> So we got a ton of information from Nick. So Nick's yeah. doing quite well. Right. Um, young guy, uh, killing the game, um, construction, making five hundred thousand bucks a year. Right. He's got four hundred thousand dollars in a brokerage account, four hundred grand in cash. He's got one hundred fifty thousand. You know. So he's got what million bucks in liquid assets. Right. And and I understand it because he's maxing out retirement plans. And so what else do you do? Right, and so that's what you get pitched sometimes from um, advisors, which is here's a, here's another way to go. I've heard it called private pension plan. I've heard it called an accumulation plan. I've heard it called all kinds of things, but the but there are some pros because he asked, and, uh, and I'm going to tell him. But what Nick has to look at, all right, because the what the pitch is is that hey, you're already maxing out your retirement accounts, right? So here's another type of retirement account that you can invest in that grows tax-deferred. Like, this tax-deferred is such a big deal. When you look at the tax efficiency of, I mean, maybe 10 years ago when mutual funds were kicking out a ton of cap gains and the drag of the the tax drag, you know, we would have calculators look at the tax-deferred versus taxable each year, and all of this is getting just killed in taxes. Well... Not necessarily. I mean, you could buy an individual stock, right? And that doesn't pay a lot of dividends. Yeah, You're, there's plenty of them. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> one of the most tax efficient investment vehicles that you could possibly own. Yeah. Because you're only going to pay the capital gain when you sell it, right? So this is like, this grows tax deferred for you. You don't have to pay the taxes. You pull the money out tax-free because it's FIFO tax treatment, first in, first out, and then the remaining would come out as loans. So you're taking a loan from yourself. So you got to look at the fine print. First of all, what's the cost of insurance? You don't need the insurance because you already got $3 million, unless you think you need $5.2 million of insurance. Do you think you need 5.2? 30 years old, making a half a million? I don't know. You're in construction, first of all. That is boom or bust. 
I mean, locking your money up, you're going to put a half a million dollars in this product because it's a tax shelter? Baloney. It's not a tax shelter. I mean, it's a huge commissionable product. Yeah, it's going to grow tax deferred for you, but you're not going to be able to get all of your assets out of the product. Some of it has to be there. You're going to have to die with this. You are 30 years old. You're going to live for another 70 years. You better love the hell out of this product or get the hell out of it right now. Over this. I well, crap. So let me put in my two cents. (laughs) Yeah, he never got to mention the pros. Yeah, so there are some pros. (laughs) So the pros and and the way it's sold, and and this is true, is you put money in and then it it grows tax-deferred or even tax-free. Because as you say, Joe, later on down the line, you can pull the money out and 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 it's uh, it's a loan, so it's so it's not taxable. So that that is a true statement, uh, and there's uh, there's no limits on how much you put in, except for the modified endowment contract rules, the MEC rules. So you got to be a little careful there. So that, that oh look at Big Al, oh, I'm, I'm prepared. <laughs> it's like you know what a MEC is. I do. I <laughs> I had to learn this stuff yes. a few years ago, as you recall. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you recall that. Anyway. But more importantly, uh, Nick, I would not do this in your situation at all. I, I, you already have rental property. I'd buy more property, or I would have I would set up a really good non-qualified, tax-efficient portfolio, yeah, non, non-retirement portfolio, because that way it's available when you need it. How difficult will it be for him to get out of this product? It's, uh, well, um, he's already put a hundred grand in. He's, um, I don't know. He's lost probably twenty-five grand. I would say. I don't know what the surrender charge is on it, but I would say it's it's probably going to be quite big. Um, the cost of insurance is pretty expensive up front because you got to overfund the hell out of it to get it through the corridor, right? So people will minimum fund these things, and it kind of there's the cost of insurance, and then it pays for you know a little bit in the accumulation account. Um, so you got to overfund it, which sounds like he is at 30 years old, putting fifty thousand dollars in a year. He's probably got to that MEC level, but he, it's not a MEC. It's he's max funding it. Um, I don't know. You're gonna. Uh, I don't know. I would like to see the illustration. You know, send it to me if you want. You can just, um, you know, contact us at Your Money or Wealth and, and let me see the. I can get an enforce ledger for you, um, and I'll give you a, a true opinion on if it's garbage or if it's if it's good. So I don't like to bash this stuff because I I think life insurance is a very well thought out product. It's one of the best tax. You know, um, advantage products in the world when it comes to death benefits. I just don't care for the um, the accumulation plays in them um, because, believe me, I, we know all about them. Whatever the reason you choose to have any kind of life insurance, it's important that your loved ones know where to find the details about your policy when they need it. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app and download our free estate plan organizer from the podcast show notes. Fill it out with all of your account information, beneficiaries, wills, trust, insurance policies, and other relevant information, and store it in a safe, easily accessible place for your loved ones. And don't forget to keep it up to date and make sure your loved ones know where to find it. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go right to the show notes and download the estate plan organizer and check out our other estate planning resources and IUL resources too. Now let's get to some more of your money questions. Click Ask Joe and Al on air in the show notes to send in your question as a voice message or as an email. Like Steve did. Steve, this thing is giant. (laughs) All right. Hi, Joe and Al. Your show continues to be great. Thank you, Steve. Uh, please keep up the good work. We will try. 
I have a question on debt pay down versus savings. I've written to you before, but we'll summarize the situation. Short version. This is no short this version. This is the summary? Wow. <laughs> so the short version is that I'm making about $3,000 extra per month on a side gig, a little side hustle, side hustle Steve. Congrats. That I can get to pay down debt, savings or both. I'm trying to decide whether to get one extreme or the other or in the middle. Here are the details. Uh, Steve is about to turn 66, full retirement age. I plan to work past 70 and wait till 70 to take Social Security. He's got $100,000 in investments. So he's got 401k, IRA, small Roth, and a brokerage account. Basic emergency fund, one to 2,000 bucks. Checking and savings account are a few thousand bucks. No pensions, no real estate. I'm single with no kids. I do, I do have a home and still have almost 90% of the mortgage left to pay. Balance is 320,000 bucks. Uh, my only remaining debts include 36,000 on a credit card, $22,000 on a HELOC. I make $120,000 a year on my regular job, and I've got a side hustle going that's currently doing very well and giving me an extra $30,000, $40,000 a year. I figure I have $3,000 a month over and above expenses to apply to debt and savings. All right. So he started saving aggressively, and I've raised the 401k contributions that work from 5% to 30%. But I can't help feeling that I'm shortchanging debt payoff. Two things make me wonder if I should focus more on debt. First, the condition of the market today and all the talk of recession. I wonder if that's all BS, but you have to think about it. Second, if I pay down the HELOC, that puts me in a better position to refinance the house at a lower interest rate, currently at 4.75, although I still need to pay down another 10% of the mortgage before I can refinance without mortgage insurance. So what should I do? Put about 10% in the 401k and aggressively pay down debt, many credit card and HELOC, and then start building a full emergency fund. Throw the extra money in the savings 401k and pay down debt on a regular schedule as before or some combination of the two. Thanks so much for your thoughts. And again, love the show. Tip o the hat to Andy. Tip o the hat, Andy. Tip o. Tip o. Who seems to be getting a lot of tension lately. Woo. Well, tell me more about that attention. Actually, there. we had someone this week come into our office that wanted to meet Andy. Really? Yeah. Did you, were you signing autographs? What's going on? I was there? shaking hands. Wow, kissing babies. <laughs> yeah, she walked I by, have, and I, I pulled her into the I have to room. say that was pretty weird. It was, it was very nice, but it was really strange. Oh, well. <laughs> so thank you for that, Al. You're very welcome. Um, okay, Steve, I got some... Um, I got some news for Steve that I'm not sure if he's going to like. I know what the news is. <laughs> you do, huh? <laughs> I do. All righty. Uh, so, Steve, you're making 120 plus another 40. That's 160. That's a lot of cash if you know what I'm saying. And you don't have much except Social Security. You're going to you're gonna have to cut expenses now. Half. 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 Because now to, here, to yes. make this work. Well, like, uh, Steve, let me let me give you the hard facts here. You're, let's say your Social Security's, I don't know, you're making 120, call it at age 70, 30,000 bucks. Right. Right? And you have $100,000 saved. 
right? So let's say if you aggressively pay down debt with only $3,000, so that's thirty six. so you get, so two, three years, you're going to get the debt paid off. So the $100,000 is going to be neglected a little bit if you go to that extreme, right? Or if you say, let's go 50-50, it's going to take you till you turn 70 to get the debt paid off. Now you got about $125,000 with a little bit of growth and being, you know, right? It's being kind. Yes. So what? That's thirty thousand plus another forty five hundred. So there's thirty four thousand five hundred dollars. That's the paycheck for the rest of your life. Right. You're making one sixty currently. Seventy. Yeah, with the with the side hustle. Yeah. So you're making one hundred sixty thousand dollars, right? And then now when you retire at age seventy, it looks like your income sources are going to be. As much as your side hustle. So that side hustle, you better be able to do that in a wheelchair, right? Because right. he's going to have to do the side hustle and the Social Security and all of that. If that works out, you know, if he's sitting on his computer, if he can do that thing until 80, then all right, now we got a game plan. Yeah, so... But he's got to cut his expenses. He does. And I agree. I think half is probably a place to start because the thing, Steve, is you need to do all of the above, right now, ASAP. Right. And you need to get used to living on this lesser amount because that's what you're going to be living off of in just a few years. In fact, if you don't cut right now, you're going to have to cut even more, more. in five years from now. Right. Or whatever. Maybe you can work till 75. Right. It, it, and it's going to hurt. It's like, all right, now I'm making this, I'm going to retire, and then all of a sudden, boom, right now I'm down to a third of what I was usually spending. Right? And so, I don't know... Uh, with the mortgage of three hundred twenty thousand bucks, I don't know. What do you think the mortgage payment on that is? A couple thousand bucks? Yeah, probably. Four? All right. Yep. So, so twenty thousand dollars of his thirty six is going to a mortgage payment. So he's got a thousand bucks a month, if that, for Coors Lights. He's single, going out with the ladies, maybe do a little dancing. He referenced Dave Ramsey, so rice and beans. That's what you're eating, buddy. You know. So. So maybe there's another. Maybe there's more to this because this is the summarized version. Maybe Steve, you're gonna you're planning on getting an inheritance, right? Or maybe you've got uh, a kid that you're gonna move into their house. He's or, got no kids. I'm single with no kids. Oh, forget that one. Yeah. Maybe you have a nephew that likes you. Yeah. Maybe you're gonna live in a trailer somewhere, but this this plan doesn't work. And and uh, you're making the biggest asset, Steve. You own right now is your income. Right. And you got exactly. You you're in the top. I don't know, at least 10% of wage earners. Right. It probably doesn't feel that way, but you are. I mean, you're making a ton of cash. Good for you. Congratulations. Now it's time to have a come to Jesus and say, all right, what? how do I best utilize this cash flow for the next five years so I can manage the debt, right? I can save for my future, Um and uh, it's and, and I and I would say there's some great resources. Dave Ramsey is one of them. That there's a lot of people that are part of the Fire Movement, Financial Independence, Retire Early. Yeah, those that, that, but, that talk a lot about cutting. Yeah, but they're living in their parents' basement, right? Some, Steve, I don't know if your parents are some, alive. But, but <laughs> maybe An call them up. Andy, where would be a place to go to get some fire resources? Our website. Okay, there you go. There you go. Yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Perfect. Um. All right. So, sorry for the tough love, Steve, but that's what you get at Your Money, Your Wealth. All right, David, he, he writes in, I'm a younger investor, 33, starting a new job. I'm maxing out my 403B and also have 457 available to me. The 457 is a non-qualified plan in the event I leave this job. I have to decide how and when I want to take the distributions. 
Any considerations regarding investing extra dollars in my 457 versus an after-tax brokerage account? Well, David, the 457, you can roll into an IRA, so don't don't be confused there. I understand it's a non-qualified plan. Um, sounds like you might be a teacher um, or you you could work in the health field. Um, but if you have a 403B and a 457, um, you can invest, max both of those out pre-tax. Yeah, so um, you, you get to deduct it from your pay. And so that's $19,000 for each, right? And that's uh, that's unusual because most of us that have a 401k, that's it, 19000 right. And a lot of us don't even have a 401k. You've got a, four, a 403b and a 457, so you can do 38000 So if you are, um, if you can afford to do that, um, sure, go for it. Um, but you're 33, um, you know, I mean... But what, I, I would max them out because it's easier to save that way, especially at 33. It's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, I agree with If that. I'm going into a brokerage account, sometimes life happens, and it's like, well, maybe I need this, that, and all of a sudden the money doesn't get in the brokerage account. But what what about this? What if he leaves his job yeah. in a few years to start a business and he needs some distributions? Can He, he can take it out of the 457. He can take it out of the 457 without a 10% penalty. Yeah, still pays tax on it. Still pays tax. Yeah. So, so the difference between investing in a non-qualified or non-retirement account now versus later is, is you pay the tax up front now. You pay the tax later. Yeah. I would do, if I have, if, if let's say he's a teacher, has a 403B, most um, school districts now have a Roth 403B. I would go Roth 403B and then 457 pre-tax. So uh, that could be an option for you as well. So um, hopefully that helps, my friend. Uh, we got Todd from Washington. <clears throat> he writes in, Joe, Al, and Andy, too. Thank you again for your great work in good humor. Thank you, Todd. Yeah. Are you all right there? I'm just so <laughs> pleased someone said something nice about me I, being a CPA and humor. I <laughs> listen to your show regularly and have benefited greatly from your wise counsel regarding Money and life in general. Oh, Todd, just my heart. It, it gets better. He goes, I thought Al was 60 or 65. Trust me, he is 60, <laughs> 65. 62. But in his picture on your website, he appears to be in his early 30s. That's so cool. Look at Todd kissing ass. Right? <laughs> I was thinking about that. I think that picture, I'm trying to think, that was probably. Dude, you had some Botox going it, it on. Was, I think that was, was 2014. We had a wig. It was, it was, I, I was in probably my mid 50s. So I've, I've aged since then. <laughs> Not much, though. You don't look it. Well, thank you. Um, must be the California sunshine that keeps Al looking so radiant and youthful. Yes, and exercise and diet. Yep. All he does is eat. What? Grass, um, grass and grass and lettuce, <laughs> rabbit food. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, so Todd writes on after uh, t- telling how beautiful Big Al is. <laughs> Outside of my four hundred one k, I have a Vanguard brokerage account uh, and a Roth IRA at Schwab. I'm just starting to invest in these accounts. Uh, my investment philosophy is buy and hold for the very long term. I will invest in broad based funds representing diverse asset classes. I will be about 50 USA, 50 international. Uh, side note, no bonds in these accounts, only equities. We'll add bonds uh, in a few years. I'm unsure whether should buy mutual funds or ETFs or somehow mix and match. Generally, each asset class, I will invest in Vanguard and Schwab as a mutual fund and ETF equivalent. Do you have any guidance 
or guidelines as to when we should choose an ETF versus mutual fund. One concern I have with ETFs is that they could be more volatile in the downturn compared with mutual funds because ETFs are easier to buy and sell. But I don't know if you agree with this. See the links on the specific funds and asset classes I will be buying from Paul Merriman's website below. Uh, thank you once more. Um, all right, Todd. Yeah, Paulie Merriman. He's been on the show multiple times. Yeah, we like Paul. Yeah, he's got a great firm up in Washington, Merriman. Does. Yep. Um, which he now is uh, retired from. Sure. And yeah, so he comes up um, with different portfolio asset allocations. So I would highly have everyone um, look at paulmerriman.com. Um, but the main question Todd's got is like ETFs or mutual funds? Yeah. What do you think? Um, it doesn't matter, to be honest with you. I, I totally agree. It doesn't, I'm, I'm indifferent. It, it, here's the, the, and, and I think Todd's a smart guy because he gets it. He's like, okay, well, ETFs might be a little bit more volatile uh, just because a, a mutual fund or an index fund, is, I'm sure, is what he's going to buy, um, is sold at net asset value at the end of the close of the day. Yeah, so when you buy and sell, you get the price at the end of the day, not what it was that exact minute. And so ETFs came along and basically were really constructed to help institutional investors, right, either place options or things like that on a broader index. Sure. And so, but you can't do that on a mutual fund. You can only do it with a stock. So an exchange traded fund trades just like a stock. It has a bid ask spread. Um, and you can buy it real time on the overall exchange, depending on when you buy it, and that's the price yeah, that you so, get so when you when you put your bid in. Right, just like uh, if you if you buy a, a, a share of stock, you get that price at that moment. If you do a market order, you, it gets filled pretty quickly, and you get whatever it is at that moment. If you buy a mutual fund at the same time, you don't really know what the price is till the end of the day. Right. So it's um, I would just look at if, if you're. And it sounds, if you're following Paul Merriman's advice, it doesn't necessarily matter. Just look at the expense ratios. Um, ETFs, index funds, you're almost identical. Uh, the added cost is that if you're dollar cost averaging, let's say you're putting 200 bucks a month, I would go into an index fund just because there could be transaction cost, uh, but not anymore with uh, Schwab, TD, and, TD Ameritrade. and uh, so forget about that. that Free comment. trades. <laughs> But I, I'll tell you who would benefit more from ETFs is someone that trades frequently. 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 Or if you want to put options on it, if you want to get a little fancy with it. you know. But, but I think for a, a long-term uh, buy and hold, it, it's, it's, I'm matter. indifferent. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think ETFs would be more volatile. I, I really don't. I mean, I, it depends on the size of the ETF. I think it could. Well, that, so that's a good point. You know what I mean? That, because they're, they're trying to mirror the index as much yeah, as okay. they can. Okay, I'll, I'll agree with that. And so if you know, if I got an index fund at Vanguard, you know, there's billions of dollars in that index fund. Right. Or if I'm looking at you know some crazy you know abstract type of um, you know asset class. You know, you could have very few assets in there. Or if it's a brand new fund or things like that, you could see a little yes. bit more volatility. And the reason is because if there's not a lot of assets in the fund, if one person does a big investment or sells a big investment, it can go all over the place. Or, and then, you know, the flash crash, um, that affected ETFs. Um, so, you know, a little tit for tat there. But, Todd, thanks for the email. Um, yeah, listen, we, we got past shows with uh, Paulie Merriman, so um, yeah, check we do. those out.
I've linked to those past shows with Paul Merriman in the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Just click the link in your podcast app to get there, and you can listen to Paul's wisdom on timing the market, turning $3,000 into $50 million, and the possibility that you only need to invest in two funds for life. And actually, we've got resources for everybody today. I've also posted all of our financial independence and retire early resources for Steve and anyone else who wants to figure out how to make and save a whole bunch of money in a hurry. We've already discussed taxation of Roth conversions back when we were talking about life insurance. So I've also posted our Roth IRA basics guide to help you figure out if a Roth IRA is right for you. Now, speaking of Roth conversions. I got James from Arizona. Hey, gents. And lady, I'm a new podcast listener. Great show. Thanks, James. I'm planning to retire in the year 2024. Okay, good. It's right around the corner, brother. Yeah, it is. About five years. Which is the year before the current tax rates expire. I'm expecting to have about $2 million saved for retirement by then, and 500 k of that should be in tax-free Roths. In the first year of retirement, 2025, I plan to have enough cash on hand to support what we need to live on that year. Since I'm convinced that tax rates are going to increase big time after 2025, I'm thinking of converting $315,000, maxing out the 24% tax bracket, from my traditional IRA to my Roth IRA that year and pay the 24% tax. My Roth is for long-term growth, and at a 6% growth rate, the tax amount paid on the conversion will be made up in about four years. That money will grow tax-free in my Roth for many future years and then come out tax-free. Also, since the 315000 will be out of my traditional IRA, it will minimize my RMD in future years to help keep my taxable income lower. I know that's a big tax hit in one year, but I think the 24% tax rate would be a good deal uh, compared to future's year. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on the idea. It's a, it's a, it's a great idea. I, I agree with the concept. I might execute a little differently. Though. I agree with that. And I'll tell you how I would execute differently. Is I, I'm just James. Uh, so I, I'm assuming you're married because you referenced three hundred fifteen thousand dollars, which is the top of the twenty four percent tax bracket. And I'm I'm also going to make an assumption, which may or may not be true. But I'm I'm guessing right now your taxable income may be less than three fifteen as it stands right now. So you could actually be doing Roth conversions currently instead of waiting for five years. I like the idea of doing maybe a bigger one then. But the, the reason why you start this sooner rather than later is the sooner you get the money into the Roth, the sooner it grows tax-free. So you could do some in 2019, some in 2020, 2021, 20, 23, and then a little bit more in 24, end up with the same thing. And furthermore, if you're in the 22% bracket, some of it would actually be taxed at lower brackets, and, and I think you'd come out better that way. Yeah. I, so, James, I would suggest you look at your taxable income to see what bracket that you're in right now. Currently. It, yeah. Maybe he's already in the 32 or Maybe so. Oh. And, and if that's so, then forget what I just said. Yeah. Your plan is perfect. Y- yep. Um, but given that, and I don't want to judge James because I love Jim here from Arizona. Great show. Yeah. He's perfect. got really nice things to say about us. Yeah. But if he was, let's say, Make it six hundred thousand dollars a year over the last several years. Um, he, I'm I'm guessing Jim would probably have a little bit more than a couple million bucks. Wouldn't well, you? yes. And then he's got already half a million dollars in Roths, 
So he's either had to qualify to make contributions to Roths, right. or he's converted in the past. Well, it's, it's why I made the assumption that his tax fund comes below 315, based upon what he saved. But I could be totally wrong. We, we don't know. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so James, look at taxable income. That's line 10 on your uh, tax return. And then say, all right, well, what tax bracket am I in, and how much room do I have? And then maybe it's twenty grand, fifty grand. Yeah, do, right? yeah, yeah. So, just do slowly over the next four or five years. You could get, you know, three hundred thousand dollars in over a longer period of time. The tax bite is not going to feel as painful, um, but then that that the money's growing, right, in the Roth now. Yeah. So the concept is right, but we would say start earlier if you've got room in the in those the 22 and 24 percent brackets. All right, that's it for us today. Hopefully, you enjoyed the show. Uh, we'll see you next week. Show's got your money well. Fans of outtakes, stick around to the end of the episode for a couple of quick derails about Chad and Al's golf game. And thank you all for listening and sharing your money, your wealth. That is the way we can reach a larger audience. So we appreciate your help in spreading the word about YMYW. Now click Ask Joe and Al on air at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to send in your questions, comments, complaints, compliments, or stories. These fellas will do their best to give you a useful and entertaining answer here on the YMYW podcast. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Get a no-cost, no-obligation, two-meeting financial assessment with a certified financial planner, either in person or online, simply by clicking the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Chad, or Chaz. I wonder if he's got a nickname Chaz. Chad. That would be for short for Charles. Oh, is it? Yes. I didn't know that. <laughs> My brother-in-law's named Chad, and I call him the Chad. The Chad. The that's, Chad. That's and that's respect. No, um, if you met my brother-in-law, you know it's the opposite the of, of respect. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Uh, the Chad. <laughs> so, uh, I love golf. I just played golf in Vermont a, a week ago. Are you? I thought you threw your clubs away. No, I'm back. You're back. But I'm not great, but I can at least hit the ball. So you're back. All right. But I, will, back. I will say, when you play in Vermont, it's a forest. And so and you lost some balls. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> and Ann and my cousin, uh, Brookie, were in a cart behind us, and their job was to go in the forest <laughs> and get balls. <laughs> I had nothing on the 14th hole. <laughs> oh, my God. It still was fun, though. Uh, they would just follow you. Just Oh, there's one. That's well, cool. I had one shot. I mean, I, I had, like, the most perfect drive. And then I hit it into the forest. I go, and I'd like, like, what's that? What's that movie? The guy, um, Tin Cup. So I dropped the ball down, hit it in the forest. <laughs> dropped the ball down, hit it in the forest. <laughs> like, well, I don't have any more balls, so <laughs> go find me one. I'll just throw it down there somewhere. <laughs> oh, boy.